Good morning, everyone. Oh, we got people up there too. Nice. Nosebleeds. Right on. No, I'm kidding. Uh, here, as I set up, uh, just want to uh, thank uh, Pastor Adrian for inviting me here. I do consider it an honor, a privilege to be here this morning uh, speaking with you and talking with you, sharing. And uh, again, just want to um, uh, wish you guys all a happy Thanksgiving. My name is Greg Ham, like she had mentioned before. I'm the youth pastor at the Vineyard Church. I've been there for eight years, uh, seven years, going on eight years now, and uh, got my start in youth ministry when me and my wife uh, started a middle school youth group um, 10 years ago and was then hired on staff in 2011. Um, I actually started my Bachelor's of Christian Studies when I came on staff and just graduated this last summer. So I'm very excited to be done with that. I know, I'm like, all right. Then I hear of other friends starting their masters and I'm like, nah, just, I'm gonna take a little bit of a break. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we've been blessed with three beautiful children. Uh, some of you may have saw them here running around, yelling, screaming. Uh, my beautiful wife, Whitney, is here with me as well. I'm pretty lucky to bring my uh, cheerleading squad with me, so yeah, it's awesome. Uh, church is supposed to be fun, right? Amen. Community gathered. We're going to start off with a joke. It's not good theology, but it is funny. When everyone on earth was dead and waiting to get into heaven, God appeared and told all the men to get into two lines. One where the men were the heads of the household, and the second where the men were dominated by their wives. I want all the women to go report to St. Peter, the Lord said. So soon all the women were gone, and it was just the men. The line where the men were dominated by their wives was hundreds of miles long. And the line where the men were truly heads of the household, there was one man. God spoke to the long line. I told you and created you to be the heads of the household, to lead your family. I taught you what to do, and you didn't obey you should have learned from this man. Then God turned to the one single man. How did you manage to be the only one in this line? The man answered, my wife told me to stand here. <laughs> a scientific study was conducted recently and found that women that added a few extra pounds lived longer than their men who mentioned it. a thinker you got to think about that one but it's truth right that's right all right we're having fun what kind of things are we thankful for today it's thanksgiving we've been uh thanking god praising him what kind of things are you thankful for this morning me okay all right i won't count that just call it out we're not in grade nine your granddaughter health family yes yes amen health care that's right that's Safety, Canada, our country, that's right. What else? Anything else? Freedom to worship, amen. There's so many things. Here I'm thinking like practical stuff, my house, my car, you know, good food and all that. We live lives that are so blessed. Studies have shown that being thankful improves our physical, emotional health, Holding on to feelings of thankfulness boosts our immune system. We'll keep going there. Uh, the habit of keeping a weekly gratitude journal can increase our alertness, enthusiasm, energy, and improve our sleep. You can believe that. And of course, I'm thinking to myself, man, I need 
to be more thankful. I got three kids and uh, they're running me ragged and yes, I could be that. Yet with all the amazing benefits of being thankful, it's not natural, right? It's not our natural response. It's difficult to be thankful in all things. You know, gratitude doesn't come, you know, easy. It's easier to complain. It's easier to see what we don't have sometimes. It's easier to see what our neighbor has and say, man, I, you know, I don't have that, right? You know, example, my, my four-year-old, he's getting to that age where he is pushing boundaries. He knows what to do and what not to do, and he repeatedly tries to find out where the line is. And, of course, he's trying by trial and error over and over again. And it's hard to be thankful. God, I thank you for my son. He is such a blessing and such a, you know, it's difficult. It could be that, um, you know, you feel like you're not a good enough friend or you're not a husband or father like that other person. Maybe at work, you know, you can't get the projects done fast enough. Uh, you're not in the physical shape you want to be. So again, ungratefulness, unthankfulness comes up in your heart. The lists go on and on. And yet, there's society, right? Society is pushing ungratefulness, dissatisfaction with our consumer-driven economy, right? We never have the good enough thing. We never are ahead of the curve. It's old news. As soon as you walk out of the store, and uh, you can never be you know, the best. There's always something better. There's always someone better. So we're going to be talking about thankfulness. Surprise, surprise, I know. But I want to discuss one little facet of it in terms of God's faithfulness. And that is that God's faithfulness to who he is should equal thankfulness in our hearts. So another way of saying it would be God's faithfulness to us should result in thankfulness in our hearts. God's faithfulness to us to result in thankfulness in our hearts, not just for what he does, but for who he is. Okay, so an example, and I'm sure they're talking about it downstairs, is in Luke 17. So if you want to get your Bibles out, Luke 17, the story of the 10 lepers. For those of you that don't know the story, um, 10 lepers are yelling at Jesus. They're outside of town. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. They're yelling at him, Lord, have mercy. Lord have mercy, they're just screaming, and Jesus finally goes over them, and they want to get healed, right? And so Jesus just says, well, go show yourselves to the priest. They leave, and as they're walking to the temple, their skin clears. Their wounds just fall off. Their skin completely clears up. And as, the res and as a result of this miracle, tragically, only one comes back. Only one is thankful. Thankfulness um, rises up in his heart and he responds back, comes back to Jesus in response. And, and we see that Jesus is like, he's not surprised, he's surprised, but he's more like just indignant, like, really? Seriously? I thought I healed 10 of you, right? Like, all 10 of you were healed, but only one of you came back? God's love and character was shown in this. God's, God's essence basically was shown in this intervention and I want to encourage us this morning that God's faithfulness to us is not just for what he does, but because of who he is. So, in verse 13, we're going to just go through this a little bit here. We read that the ten men were crying out to Jesus. Master, have mercy! 
Master, have pity on us. Jesus, Jesus, over and over and over again. Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, just a little side note, I have to remind myself that it's the Coles note version, like it's a super condensed version of the story. You know, like in John 21, 25, it tells us that Jesus did so much that the world could not contain what was all said and done. So again, we have a super condensed version of this story and, and the cries of anguish, the cries of, of desperation would have been quite the sound to have been with Jesus. Imagine being with Jesus, walking along the road towards Jerusalem, and they're just crying out to him, crying out to him. It's faint, and then it gets louder and louder and louder and louder. So verse 11, Jesus is hearing this shouting, this crying. Do, do we cry out to Jesus like that? It's a question for us this morning. Do we cry out to God like that? Or do we pray once and then expect an answer like the next day? You know, it's not 9 o'clock yet. Like, come on, Jesus, hurry up. You know, I've probably done that more than I admit, want to admit, where I've prayed for five minutes and expected a response. Are we consistent in our prayers? Are we persistent in our prayers? Just like the woman who came to the unjust judge repeatedly over and over again. Do we cry out? Do we pursue God in what he's put on our hearts? So verse 14, he responds. Because that's who Jesus is, right? He responds. He goes over to them, looks, and just tells them to go. Go show themselves, themselves to the priest. And here again, we just see Jesus doing what he does. Doing what he does because that's who he is. It's who God is. It's one of the names of God, actually. Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. And I'm sure many of you guys know some of the names of God, many of the names of God. Yahweh Rapha is just one. We find that in Exodus 15, 26, the Lord who heals. But there are other names like Elohim, God, creator, strong, mighty. We see that in Genesis 17, 7. El Shaddai, God Almighty, Genesis 49:24, Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide. Elohim, everlasting God, that's in Psalm 90. And again, I don't want to confuse us all, but I want to just remind us that Jesus is just being who he is. Right? The Bible writers and stuff, they had these different names to describe how they were um, experiencing God, what God was doing in their lives. Right? Just like I am a father and a son and a pastor and all these different things, many characteristics of myself, God has many characteristics of him. And so in our story, God is faithful to his name, Yahweh Rapha, right? He, and he heals the lepers who are crying out to the Lord. Jesus is simply being who he is in the moment. So the question for us this morning is, where has God been mighty to us? Where has God been strong to you? Where has God been your provider? Where has God shown himself as Lord? And once we've contemplated that, once we've figured that out, it's like, okay, well, what was our response then? Was my response like the nine who just kept on going my merry way? I got stuff to do. My schedule is full. I got my list, and I'm going to keep going. 
Or is it that of the one man who recognized God's faithfulness, mercy, power, and ran back to Jesus in thankfulness? As I've said, me and my wife um, are here with our three beautiful kids. Um, as many people have struggled starting a family, uh, we were no different. We were no exception. We struggled for about two years, I think, with multiple miscarriages. And uh, one was a lot more serious than, medically than we thought. And, of course, when you're walking through it, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's happening. And so, again, it's just uh, heart-wrenching and, uh, you know, you're confused, right? And I remember laying in bed one, um, one night when this was all going on, and I just thought, like, are we ever going to have kids? Is God ever going to come through? Because I remember hearing from God, and it was a, it was a crazy story. Just to sort of summarize it super quickly, um, it was in the middle of this whole thing, and we were doing a ministry training like course, like a two-night thing at our church, and um, just for people who want to learn how to pray for one another and, and that sort of thing. And we were just practicing hearing from God. If God wanted to give any prophetic words and any words of encouragement. And this one man who had never done anything like this before. He had never uh, spoken like this. He had never heard God before. And he just felt like God had this word for us. He didn't know where we were at. He didn't know our situation at all. And he said to us that God was going to give us a kid. So I, I again was like, wow, this guy had boldness and confidence and courage to share and yet I laid there at night going, God, like, are you ever going to come through? Are you ever going to be faithful to what you promised us? And it was painful. I mean, friends were having kids all around us. Um, people that even really didn't want to have kids yet or whatever, they were having them. And um, I never blamed God, though. I never got to that place of... Uh, giving up or, or, or whatever, but it was a struggle. It was really hard, and um, I had to believe, though. I had to remind myself continually that God was Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide, right? Another example of ones that never lost hope are my boys, Rakshak and Benny. Where are my old-school VeggieTale lovers? Anyone? Anyone? Balcony? There's one. Hey, I see you. Yeah, right on. Oh, man, these are my guys, Rat, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for those that aren't into the uh, chocolate bunny. Uh, anyway, you'll get that. Anyway, these are, yeah, these guys are my guys. These, this is such an encouraging story of thankfulness in the midst of life-threatening trial. King Nebuchadnezzar, let's turn to Daniel 3. If you want to open your Bibles, you can follow along. It'll be up on the screen, and we will uh, be reading the Bible. I think that's cool. Is that cool? Read some, yeah, read the word. King Nebuchadnezzar builds this 90-foot-tall statue, commands everyone to bow down, and we're going to pick it up in verse 5. It says, As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. 
Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Let's just pause here for a sec. Um, attempting to really like relate to where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in this sort of position is super hard for us in our 21st century uh, Western culture. I mean, the king back then was ruthless. Like there was no court of appeal. There was no uh, accountability for him, no feedback system, no court. It's like whatever he said was, right? And the king clearly, and we're going to see, has some anger problems as well. And here they are. They're staring down a barrel of a gun. My guys were Rackshack and Benny, and they are unmoved. They are firm. Continuing on in verse 13. Furious with rage. Here's my anger problems, okay? There's rage. There's furious. There's furious with rage. Like, this guy is, whew, okay. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, the God I serve, the God you serve, amen, is able to deliver us from it. Everyone say, is able. Tell your neighbor, God is able. I think someone needed to say that this morning. God is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. We're going to pause here again. Life has a tendency to bring moments like this to us every now and again. Amen? Where the furnace just gets turned up a little bit more. I know you guys corporately have experienced this furnace in terms of cancer here in this church. But again, maybe it's something personally you're walking through or in your family. It may be that a family member is just walking away after a confrontation and you just feel like reconciliation right now is next to impossible. You may be at a work situation where your boss just doesn't appreciate you, doesn't notice you, doesn't um, give you the credit, and 
it gets just hotter and hotter when the new guy comes in. He gets the recognition. He gets the promotion. He gets all the attention. It could be your kids going through a season of rebellion. You know, even your older kids going through that, taking life into their own hands, and, you know, it just pushes your buttons. It just gets hotter and hotter and hotter. My wife and I's furnace of starting a family, like I said, and uh, having a child was turned up seven times hotter. Still remember it. It was about five years ago. And uh, my wife had told me in a very creative way on a Monday that we were pregnant, and it was uh, very exciting. She did it in kind of like an artsy craft kind of way. And uh, because of our previous miscarriages, uh, she had to get blood tests um, throughout the very early on to just see if things were progressing properly, if the hormone was doubling and stuff, just medical stuff. So uh, she went in for those tests throughout the week. And on a Friday afternoon, I got a call at the office. And she tells me that she got her results from the blood test and that the numbers are going down and not up. And, you know, when you get news like that, it, it hits you. I know all of you, many of you, have, have received news like that when you receive something and it completely changes the direction of life, right? You're going this way, and then all of a sudden it's completely reversal. And, and I could literally feel it right? When that furnace just gets turned up hotter and hotter and hotter. And I knew in that moment that I could blame God. I could get mad. I could get angry. I could close my heart off to him. I could even walk away. I know people have done that, probably done that. But I could also choose to trust him. I could also choose to believe that God is who he says he is. And I just needed to be reminded of that. So while Whitney was on the phone, while my wife was on the phone, I just said, babe, we need to just read something. We need to be reminded of who God is. And I literally just opened my Bible to the middle, like Psalms, right? And I didn't even know what we read, but I know that we just needed to remind ourselves of who God was. And so in the midst of that furnace, in the midst of that fire and pain and just feeling it getting hotter and hotter, we encountered Jesus in there. Verse 20, and he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men were wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the furnace. And the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. 
Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Great story. I love it. In just closing today, I just want to go back a little bit to what Shadrach said to the king. He said in verse 17, 16 and 17, sorry, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from it, your majesty. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. But even if he doesn't. But even if he doesn't. Is that something that you have said? Audibly, in your heart. But even if he doesn't, I will still be faithful. Right? Even if he doesn't come through, even if he doesn't do what I want him to do, even if he doesn't, I'll still follow him. Lord, even if you don't do what I'm asking you to do right now, I will still worship you. I'll still be committed to your church. I will still be faithful. Even if you don't, Lord, I will still be thankful. I will still thank my God because you are faithful. You are good. You are loving. You are kind. So today, as we're carving our turkeys, our hams, or if you're adventurous, you know, your ribs or your vegan nut loafs or whatever, I want you to think about where God has been faithful to you. Where have you experienced God as your provider, as your stronghold? Where have you experienced him as your redeemer, your comforter, your healer? And ask yourself, am I the one that runs back to God when I see his faithfulness, when I see his obvious hand in my life? Or do I just keep on going? Or even if he doesn't, come through what is my response I want to challenge us let thankfulness and praise be a byproduct of God's faithfulness to us let thankfulness be a byproduct of the reflection of where God has intervened in your life and may we reap the benefits of that let's pray Heavenly Father, I just, again, want to thank you for your bride. God, that we are here together as a corporate uh, expression, God, of, of your church. And I just thank you, Lord, for how you have intervened, Lord, how you have uh, come through time and time again in our own lives, Lord, but also corporately, Lord, in this city, in this church, Lord. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would 
continue to remind us of where you have been that provider, Lord, that faithful one, that strong, mighty God, our healer. Lord, I pray that as we gather with friends and family and whatever we're doing, Lord, I pray that we would be reminded of your ability to intervene, God, that you are able. Lord, but even if you don't, God, we will still be faithful to you, God. We will still be committed. We will still love you, Jesus. We will still follow you, no matter what. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Let's worship him.